with this as an introduction, we're talking about Christianity and politics, Christians and politics. Let me read a quote for, from uh, John MacArthur. On his blog, he said this, There was a time in the days of our Puritan forefathers when almost every soul in America acknowledged the Ten Commandments as the cornerstone of ethics and morality. Today, most Americans can't even name three of the ten. There was also a time not so long ago when Americans universally disapproved of homosexuality, adultery, divorce. They believed that sexual promiscuity is absolutely wrong. They regarded obscene language as inappropriate. They saw abortion as unthinkable. And they held public officials to high moral and ethical standards. Nowadays, most of the behavior society once deemed immoral is defended as a civil right. How times and the culture have changed. The strong Christian influence and scriptural standards that shaped Western culture and American society have been replaced and given way to atheism and moral relativism. The few vestiges of Christianity in our culture are at best weak and compromising, and to an increasingly pagan society, they are cultic and bizarre. In less than 50 years' time, our nation's political leaders and courts have adopted a distinctively anti-Christian attitude and agenda. The country has swept away the Christian worldview and its principles in the name of equal rights, political correctness, tolerance, strict separation of church and state. Gross immorality, including homosexuality, abortion, pornography, and other evils, has been sanctioned not only by the society in general, but in effect the government as well. A portion of our tax dollars are now used to fund programs and government agencies that actively engage in blatant advocacy of various immoral practices." End quote. I might add that we are 40 days away from a, an election which does not appear to be promising uh, of any hope for any drastic changes. This is, as of this morning, our country's political climate. So with that, I'm going to start with some big picture questions for our panelists. Um, Louise, if I might start with you. As believers, as Christians, what should our attitude be towards an increasingly secular and anti-Christian government? Well, number one, we're called to pray. And I think sometimes it's hard when we look at those in office. Uh, sometimes I don't think we're very faithful in that, but we are called to pray for those in authority. Romans 13 tells us that. First Peter 2 tells us that. Uh, we render our taxes, but we also render our honor, we're told in those uh, verses. Um, and one pastor has said that's not, a, that's not a compromise with a corrupt government. That's really obedience, because we're, we're told to honor our, those and to render under Caesar's what is Caesar's, so the implication is, in that is that some things do belong to Caesar, some things do belong to government. I think perhaps there are areas where we, as Christians, have rendered too much, but that's probably another discussion. And I think to remember, too, that innocence is not ignorance. We need to be aware. Um, we need to be wise. We're created in his image, which means we have brains, we have intellects. Uh, I think we should be informed. Uh, founders, there are many... Um, comments and quotes in the letter and the writings of the founders talking about the duties of the people. And one of those is that we are to be an informed people. That ignorance is what can bring on tyranny because we don't pay attention to what's going on. So the founders would tell us that the Constitution was written for an informed electorate. In other words, not to just put our heads in the sand, but to be aware. And I think that leaves us, because we're not paying attention, because we don't bother to read a headline or two, that Christians are often on the defensive, often trying to pay, play catch up 
after the fire engine has already left the firehouse. So uh, if we think about things like some of the bad laws that we have on the books, it's far more difficult to amend or change a bad law than it is to maybe take some sort of action to prevent it from being passed in the first place. So, Pastor Brian, what should our attitude be towards this, uh, uh, towards our government as it increasingly goes anti-Christian? Uh, I would say uh, twofold. One is I don't think we should be surprised. I think a lot of Christians are. They have the assumption that our government will be moral or uh, pro-Christian. And really, if you look at history in a big picture, uh, the, what we as a country experienced for whatever time frame you want to give it, 100 years, 150, was really an anomaly. And it was a good anomaly in the sovereignty of God. He ordained it. But uh, governments have, have never been, uh, in general, uh, you know, uh, to promote the ways of God and the works of God. They have a different role. Uh, so I think it's important that we're not surprised, because so many Christians are, and not to have a false expectation. Um, the passages that Louise quoted earlier, First uh, Peter, Romans, etc. It's important to remember that those were written to Christians under the Roman government, homosexual leaders, uh, anti-Christian. And so, I mean, we're just moving closer to that. So those Christians who would try to say, well, those passages don't apply to us today. And I've heard this because, you know, our government leaders are, you know, they're shifting, they're, they're, they're not, they're not uh, respectable, etc. You, you, you can't defend that biblically because uh, as bad as ours are, I don't think they're as bad as many of the Caesars and many of the, the people there in Rome. So first, not be surprised. But our, secondly, I appreciate what Louise said. Uh, yet, in spite of that, the, the, the passages that Louise quoted, as well as others, the G teaching of Jesus to his disciples, the statements of Paul, the statements of Peter, uh, that you still respect and you still honor. And, uh, of course, today, Christians get so angry at what they see happening in government that they violate those scriptures. They, they completely violate what God's word says. So in summary, don't be surprised that it's headed that way. Continue to be respectful or be b biblical in your response. Gail? I think both Brian and Louise are exactly right. That, In other words, if I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we have opportunity. It doesn't mean because the government is tanking or looking like it's, it's uh, going downhill morally that everything is, is over. We have opportunity. Uh, one of those opportunities is exactly, as Louise said, to pray. Sometimes to pray for, uh, in fact, many times to pray for conversion, uh, to pray that those in government would have different eyes, in other words, to see. But the other opportunity we have, and, and I don't want to make the presumption that government is the only politic. I think that's an assumption that Christians often make because we were just talking about this in philosophy class this morning because by and large Christians uh, are still neoplatonic. In other words, they are Gnostic. They believe that Christianity is primarily about something that happens with the mind and the real material power or the material world where uh, change exists is in the world of government. And I would argue that, that the church is a politic. In other words, the church affects more than the mind. It affects how we live. It affects our bodies. It affects the real world in which we live. And as a consequence, living like church can be the best thing we can do for the government. When we live like church, what it allows the world to do is to recognize that it is the world and that it is in need of conversion. I'm not coming up with this. This isn't original. I'm quoting someone. 
to live like church is to allow the world to know that it's the world and that it is in need of redemption, uh, that it doesn't have a savior. The difference between the church and the world uh, and the church and much of our government today is that the church knows who its king is. Uh, the world does not. Speaking with you, all three of you individually, uh, before this uh, panel discussion, I asked you, do you think Christians should be involved in politics? And um, all of you answered in an affirmative, but I think you meant different things by it. So Christians, should they be involved in politics? Um, Louise, you said yes. Let me ask, how should Christians engage our culture politically? In other words, what should it look like, our involvement in, in culture at the government and political level? Well, I think it could be a variety of ways, just like God calls us to, you know, different areas of ministry. I think that what we're seeing is if, I guess I would ask the question, if Christians are always in retreat of areas of culture like politics, then there's a vacuum. And that vacuum is going to be filled by something. And I think we can see uh, anywhere we look in culture, not just politics, but anywhere else, that often it's evil things that fill that, fill that vacuum. So uh, one pastor has said, um, that we're being pulled apart by two rival plans of salvation. In other words, you have Christians who believe that there are moral absolutes, uh, that we were created in God's image, and then you have the other side that we just happened by chance to be here, and that there is no absolute truth, that it's subjective and that it, that it changes. So when you look at politics, an area where a country would like to come together and be unified, uh, what can we agree on? You know, one pastor has said, can we agree that a baby shouldn't be pulled apart in the mother's womb? Well, we, we're not even agreeing on that in America anymore. So uh, we're coming from two uh, polar opposites. So, but John Stone Street, some of you probably know who he is. He, he works for uh, Chuck Colson Ministries. And he points out the fact that we are in the culture. We are in a physical world. We live here. And that escape isn't an option for Christians. So we can't really run away from the world. And his, his thought was, rather than ask, where, where do I draw the line between whether a Christian ought to be involved in culture or not, I, we should be asking, where is my responsibility? in culture as a Christian. What's the scope of the Lordship of Christ? How big is he? And what effect does that have on my life? And so, some of you are probably familiar with Kuiper's uh, comment that it all belongs to him, that, that Jesus is saying he's sovereign over all and he's saying it's all mine. So 